All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume, imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. A lot is being asked of people working in schools. Teachers have more and more things to do. The shortage of teachers right now, um, you know, having to fill a lot of holes and, and wear a lot of hats, it's, it's very difficult. There are steps you can take to manage stressful times, whether in the classroom or outside of work. For me personally, I can disconnect by just being outside. Laughing <laughs> works a lot. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo and Golick. Michael Jr., Michael Sr., Jesse Cofield. We are brought to you by Wrangler, made for the ride of life. Save 15% on your first Wrangler.com order with promo code GOJO15. We had a great show for you guys today. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review, five-star rating. Come hang out with us live, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday on DraftKingsNetwork.com, DraftKings YouTube, Samsung TV+. Plus, All fun places where you can hear and see us. Uh, Dad, they'll also get to hear and see us with Scott Hansen from the NFL Network's Red Zone channel today, which means we are back. I know it's only Wednesday of this week. The game is not till tomorrow. But, Dad, once you hear what we got to hear on this interview, and I don't know about you. Oh, we got to, you know, we'll, yeah. we'll pull back the curtain. We got to record this yesterday. But hearing Scott's voice triggered something inside me that only one other thing so far has been able to do. And that's the like small fight, the small bite of a fall breeze in the air triggered the same response Pavlovian as Scott Hansen's voice did for me yesterday, which is feeling like I should nestle into the couch and not move for seven hours. Some of his stories were fantastic about, you know, being out in public and using some of his lines. It gives you gives you chills, right? Because you know this is it. You know, I mean, I'm on the road every Sunday doing a Sunday night game, but I have my iPad. I make sure your mother has it squared away so my red zone channel shows up and I don't throw it into the wall. And I just listen to Scott Hansen all afternoon before my game. Gets me ready for my other material outside of the game I'm going to call. So he is a lifesaver to one and all. 
He really is. And I didn't realize how long Scott Hansen's been doing this because we were talking before the show and I was remembering back to getting fresh out of college and the joy in my group chats when you would get a quad box sighting in the wild on the Red Zone channel. You start with the beauty of the Octobox. We've added the witching hour. It's all just so glorious and we're all right back on track. Well, I mean, for you too... For, for you, too, that, that's after a game, right? That's Sunday. You play the game Saturday. So, you're listening. You're going to chill anyway and just do nothing. Uh, so, you're going to do it now with seven hours of uninterrupted, uninterrupted football. So, there's nothing more glorious than that. And we are so close to having it back. Nope. We're very excited about that. I'll tell you what I'm not excited about is rolling into the show this morning and looking up and seeing you having stolen yet another one of my shirts. For anyone watching on the YouTube audience, this has become a really common problem. And quite frankly, I'm sick of it. Uh, Jesse, thankfully, you don't have to deal with this with your husband or maybe you do. I don't know what his style sense is like here, but (laughs) my entire life is me walking into my parents' home and seeing my dad who is routinely this is his move every time my dad hasn't probably bought a shirt for himself since 1969 he will walk into a room when he sees me or my brother he will look at the item of clothing that size we're wearing. you up he'll, he'll go he'll take his hands and he'll just pinch a little bit of the fabric and he'll go ooh, that's nice and he'll say nothing else and he'll walk away and the next thing you know either he has my mom go mm-hmm. by because he can't be bothered himself or he just steals it outright out of our closet which is what he's done today with the shirt he's wearing now it's disgusting i will say senior it, it got heated before the show started you guys arguing over the shirt and senior did make the comment he said you know it's not actually in your closet it's in his closet in his house so it seems like he's taking ownership of the shirts of any of the clothes that are being brought into his home. So, Gojo, I mean, it sounds like he might have to start bringing these clothes home to L.A. I mean, with yeah. you. It's, it's, it's the old thing where possession is nine-tenths of the law, right? You keep saying your closet. Last I checked, it's my closet. Every closet in this house is my closet. So every piece of, of clothing in there is basically up for grabs and I can take it. Now you, before the show, made this threat of, I'm taking every piece of clothing out of this house. BS you are, because you won't, like like I'm lazy to go buy stuff, you will not take the time to pack up what you think is yours in that closet and take it somewhere else and store it when it's sitting perfectly nice in this closet here. So you know what I call your threat? Empty. It's an empty threat. I will continue to show up in stuff that you have bought and have put in my closet and not feel bad about it one bit. Oh, so mom's closet's your closet too, and you walk in there and take whatever you want, huh, big man? I'm a big, yeah, strong I, man. You walk well, into no. mom's closet and just take whatever you want, See, and you do whatever you want with it. Gojo, I think it's in you're your gonna, closet in your house. You're going to have to start hiding things. Could you find Jesse, some hidey holes? I don't know. Jesse, I, I, would like, I would like you to agree with me. Mike is now deflecting, okay? No, is, you said it's your house. You're a big, well, strong man. It's my when, house. And every when one of I my say, house belongs to me. Listen. I'm the man of the house. <laughs> and I'm going to walk into whatever one of these closets I want. And I'm going to do what I want because I am the hunter-gatherer. And I have provided I, for this family. Look up and see the roof, brother. This is my house. Everything in it belongs to me. Well, you, you turned into WWE at the end there. <laughs> Hell yeah, brother. I think, I think you and Jake and Sydney and and... Jake's wife, uh, Jenny, and Sydney's wife, Ben, would all understand when I say my house, we know what that means. It's your mother's house, and I'm just living in it, but still, I own it with her. So, you know, I mean, I think we understand that. 
All right, perfect. So I'll just ask mom to get you to keep out of my closet, and then this will all get taken mm. care of here. This That's is a uh, pretty simple solution to all of this. Um, yeah. Here we go. We'll uh, get to someone else who might be in street clothes this week. Uh, mm. News, unfortunately, yesterday about Travis Kelsey coming out of Chiefs practice. Apparently, hyperextended his knee during an on-field session with the Chief right now. Now, uh, reports say they believe that his ACL is intact, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter. He's had inflammation in his knee that the Chiefs will test again today to determine his availability for Thursday night. But, Dad, all of a sudden we're looking up and we're seeing Chris Jones in the midst of a holdout may not be available for the Chiefs on Thursday night. Travis Kelsey now, unfortunately, with this injury popping up, Patrick Mahomes got to be looking around going, where are all my guys at? I'm telling you, this this – We've already, as you, you mentioned, we talked about the Chris Jones side of it, but to not have Travis Kelsey is not only the most important receiver to Patrick Mahomes, but he is like most tight ends. He's that security blanket as well. So he he plays a major role there. Now it's going to look like genius that Andy Reid kept seven wide receivers for this first week. Last year it was five. This year it's seven. So they have more people to throw to. So you have Noah Gray and Blake Bell, who you know from your days at Notre Dame when he was at, at Oklahoma. Uh, as their tight ends right now, but nothing matches what Travis Kelsey does. And forgetting even this game, it's one of those now, how long is it? Because like anything anything we look at, it's the severity of it. You know, how bad was it? You know, how long will it take to come back? Uh, obviously, if he's able to play tomorrow, it wasn't very severe, but those things can be where it's going to be a week or two. And especially in the beginning of the season, you really want to err on the on the side of caution to make sure you're 100%. Because as I've always talked about, those preseason or early season injuries, they, they can come back to haunt you if you come back too quick. So they're in an interesting position depending on how severe that hyperextension was. And, Dad, you talked about that security blanket and where this has an effect on the Chiefs' offense because I think so many people – are, are under the impression now and understandably that their offense is insulated as long as Mahomes is on the field and that Andy Reid and him are going to be able to find a way to MacGyver. But when you talk about some of the critical areas, according to Inside Edge, especially when you look in the red zone, Travis Kelsey last year, 12 touchdowns in the 22 season, most among NFL tight ends. Last year, 19 receptions in the red zone, most among NFL tight ends, was targeted 152 times in the 2022 season, most among NFL tight ends. Like when Patrick Mahomes needs a play that's the guy that he's going to and so losing out on that yeah you might have the element of surprise because in an offense that's got the rest of this group in here with Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony and Marcus Valdez Scantling there's not one guy that's going to be the go-to in this group and so you might be able to death by a thousand cuts this thing but you know as well as I do dad when you get to certain situations and you get to pivotal moments we all default to comfort and Patrick Mahomes comfort is 100% Travis Kelsey yeah, 110 receptions last year. Next closest was over 30 less at 78 with Juju Smith-Schuster, who, oh, by the way, is not on the team anymore. So yeah. you're right. They're very good at making others involved and picking up the slack. But this does make it tougher for a Detroit team that's coming in at all of us think the arrow was up on, um, that, that now coverage can be easier when you don't have to match up a safety or a linebacker on Travis Kelsey when you could use them elsewhere on these wide receivers and not as much of a fear if one of those other tight ends is in the game. So that can change the, 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 the coverage of Detroit as well, whether he's in there or not. I, I tell you what interests me about this now, Dad, is 
looking at this game potentially, and we hope that Travis Kelsey gets yeah, to play absolutely. in this game. Yeah. Like we really, everyone wants to see him out there. He is, you know, the Chiefs are better for it. The NFL is better for it. We certainly hope that hope that's the case. But with this popping up as late on this week as it has in a short week of preparation, yeah, it, it's an uphill battle. And so you look at this game, Dad. The Chiefs will be walking into this game without their second and third best player if him and Chris Jones are both not on the field, going up against the Lions team that is the favorite to win the NFC North right now. And I, I thought I made what was a pretty benign comment yesterday in saying, well, I might have gone a little overboard with it, saying that there's already distance between Patrick Mahomes and every other quarterback in the NFL, and I'm going to add even more distance if he pulls this off in a game where I think there's still almost a touchdown favorite at home. But, Dad, the reason they're that way is because of Patrick Mahomes and We've watched in the last couple of years, the Chiefs have been able to operate the way they have as a team because of Patrick Mahomes. You're able to trade away the best wide receiver, one of the best wide receivers, I should say, in the NFL in Tyreek Hill to the Miami Dolphins and go and survive because you've got Patrick Mahomes. You're able to take chances on receivers that were not working out for teams elsewhere like Kadarius Toney because you believe you've got Mahomes and you've got Andy Reid as play designers here. You hockey line change your defense. You're relying on draft picks because you paid Mahomes because he's worth it because he offsets all of this. He's the unquestioned best quarterback in football, and I still don't think it's wrong to be impressed if he were to go out on Thursday night and find a way to win in this game where the other two best players on his team aren't there anymore because this is the team bleeping game. Yeah, nobody's going to be shocked, right? Because we, we've seen, I mean, about everything in his bag of tricks, though he'll always pull out something new that will make us go, wow, yet again. So, yeah, I mean, he's it's it's like I talk about with the Jets on the other side as a whole because of their defense for the Jets. They will always be in a game, and now they have a stronger offense because Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback. But much like when Tampa Bay won the Super Bowl with Tom Brady, they wouldn't have gotten to the Super Bowl without the way that defense was playing. So the defense for the Jets, I think, will keep them in all the games, and the offense can can uh, can uh, help because of that, can do their thing because of that. Just like Patrick Mahomes will always keep the Chiefs in the game. Uh, no matter what happens on their defensive side of the ball, because he can make things happen and can score quickly to where uh, if, if you have to win a game, as I said, 45-42 or 38-35, they can, all because of Patrick Mahomes. Even if it's low scoring, they can win because of Patrick Mahomes. That's how much he means. I just I saw a lot of pushback because I think we've already reached that LeBron James saturation point with Mahomes where he's been so great for so much of the early portion of his career. People are kind of tired of hearing about it. And I think especially in an AFC where you've got the Joe Burrows of the world, Lamar Jackson's of the world, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, everyone thinks they've got a great quarterback and they do. We've talked about it. This conference especially is full of studs. But this guy is just better than everyone else, and he's got the accomplishments to match. It's sort of the like the Tom Brady incontrovertible evidence when you've got as much hardware as this guy has to go along with the ability that, I, I don't know, Dad, I, I think it frustrates a lot of people that they don't feel like their guy gets the comparative love when it's just because we're in an era right now where we have got one of the greats to ever do it operating. And it's like we saw for years in basketball where there were a lot of great teams in the Eastern Conference when LeBron was there. They just ran into an all-time force. There were a lot of great teams in the West when Golden State was on their run. They just ran into an all-time force. And that doesn't make those other guys not great. It just unfortunately means there's still a gap between them and him at this point. 
I'm wondering what would you say is the biggest gap between best player at their position and the next, right? I, I think for the last few years, people might automatically look to the offense, but I would say it had been Aaron Donald, right? Before he started yeah. getting nicked up a little bit, it was Aaron Donald. Is it Patrick Mahomes now? Is Justin Jefferson that much better than everybody else, though Tyreek Hill's numbers, yardage-wise, were right there to him last year? Who is the best at each position, and who has the biggest gap? Is it Mahomes now? Because I don't know if it's Aaron Donald anymore because of, uh, like I said, because of getting nicked up, missing time and such. Maybe it still is him. But I wonder who, what people would say as the best player, the biggest distance between next. That's an interesting one. At Gojo and Golik on Twitter, which player at the, is the best at their position in the league? I'm trying to think of how to phrase this. Has the yeah. biggest gap between them and the rest of their position in the NFL right now as the unquestioned best? Maybe we can workshop that and get a poll up and ask some of the folks over on Twitter.com. Uh, instead, in the meantime around here, though, I want to ask you guys, because we'll have plenty of time to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs, about that one, night one matchup tomorrow. Again, Gojo and Golik's going to kick off in Kansas City. Fueled by Campbell's Chunky, we are going to be live out near Arrowhead doing the show. We're very excited. We're going to have a bunch of great guests out there to help us preview this. Uh, just a bit of accounting. This show will not be happening tomorrow morning because we will be live tomorrow night in the pregame lead up to the show. So adjust your settings accordingly and get ready to go. But dad, in the meantime, I wanted to ask you and Jesse as we're getting ready to head into now the NFL season is going to start tomorrow night. We're going to get all our picks on wax later for division winners, for Super Bowl winners, MVP. We'll do all the awards today so we can go back and celebrate when we are right and completely ignore when we are wrong. <laughs> yes. Uh, but in the meantime, I've learned well. Um, I wanted to ask you guys each what a couple of your favorite storylines going into this season were, uh, because I think for me, looking at this upcoming season, we've talked so much about certain things here. I, I think there's a couple clearly that stick out. But Jesse, I want to start with you. Two biggest storylines that you're looking forward to going into the M uh, NFL season. Yeah, well, we got to talk about the Patriots because we're in New England here. So it's, this is basically do or die time, right, for Mac Jones, for maybe Bill Belichick. I know nobody wants to say that out loud, but it's kind of like, are you in the hot seat here? But I mean, Mac Jones going into his third year as a quarterback last year looked like an absolute disaster offensively. They were the worst team in the league in the red zone. We're much better on third down, bottom third of the league in situational defense as well, other side of the ball. And they only saw four playoff teams uh, on their schedule. So, I mean, I just think given Bill O'Brien the keys to the kingdom here, bring him in to run this offense, it's really do or die time for Mac Jones. And then the other one that I have my eye on, Brock Purdy and the 49ers, are they legit contenders here? You know, we saw last year Mr. Irrelevant come out and be Mr. Irrelevant. Can they keep that going? They have one of the best running back duos in the game, Elijah Mitchell and Christian McCaffrey. They've got some good wide receivers on that team, you know, Brandon Ayuk, uh, Debo Samuel. So I think it's just going to be really interesting. Expectations are high for them, and can they, can they fulfill those? Yeah, I think those are both really interesting ones. I think the Patriot one, man, is a reminder of how complicated the game of football is, where a couple of years after the Tom Brady departure, we've got legitimate questions that some people are trying to ask about Bill freaking Belichick, who might be the greatest coach in yeah. NFL history. Uh, Dad, I'll, I'll give you my two one before Go we ahead. finish off with you. 
The Cowboys as legitimate Super Bowl contenders is fascinating because we know the whole sports media industrial complex will eat and will eat till their bellies are full if Dallas really scratches the surface of being as good as a lot of people think that roster can be this year. And then the Chargers staying healthy and airing it out is like my obsession every year. Last year, Justin Herbert threw the ball 10 yards or less on just under 75% of his pass attempts, the sixth highest of any qualified quarterback last year, according to Inside Edge. So I'm hopeful that this offense with Kellen Moore is going to be able to air it out a lot more and that we get to see this team try and reach its full on-field potential. Yeah. All right. I I will give you my two quickly here. Uh, My first one is, you know, everyone's going to talk about Aaron Rodgers. I'm not going to go down that road. The relationship with Todd Munkin and Lamar Jackson, new O coordinator in, in Baltimore. What can this team do? They made the playoffs last year. They almost beat Cincinnati. Cincinnati had the monster play with, remember, with the backup quarterback, Tyler Huntley, in the game for Baltimore. Now you have Lamar. Now you have a new coordinator. I'm very interested to see. They're talking about passing more. They got some weapons for Lamar, something he hasn't had. But I I still think eventually if they're going to win, he's still going to have to be that dangerous runner. Will he have to be as dangerous, you know, that runner as much as he has in the past? So that relationship and where this team can go, we know they can get to the playoffs but they know they struggle getting their playoffs. And my other is twofold, and I mentioned this once before. The two quarterbacks non-established that I thought played the best in the preseason or looked very comfortable was Jordan Love, who we had no idea about because he was behind Aaron Rodgers, and Sam Howell for Washington. So if for Green Bay, really more, because that division, Minnesota took it over last year. We all think Detroit can make the jump, and we're all putting Green Bay down a little bit because of Jordan Love. So that's going to be interesting. Washington is a little tougher. They're in a division where the other three teams made the playoffs last year. So I don't know if I'm looking for that big of a jump, but how how much Sam Howell settles into that starting role. Lots to look forward to this upcoming NFL season. But coming up next, I mean, in all of that conversation, we didn't say the J word, J-E-T-S, one player <laughs> with a bold proclamation about the upcoming season in New York. That's next here on Gojo and Golan. Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge. You grab the bull by the horns. You find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister U.S., White Plains, New York. 
Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. As a reminder, we have a very special episode coming your way tomorrow, live from Kansas City from 4 to 7 p.m. Eastern, fueled by Campbell's Chunky. It's going to be an amazing show. Make sure that you tune in for that one. And gentlemen, we aren't sure what the Chiefs may look like if Kelsey can't play. Uh, we know with him, their offense obviously very potent. Without him, not so sure. But could the matchup of the century come in week four? when Kansas City visits the Jets. DJ Reed seems to think so, as he said that the Jets' D could be a historical defense. Thoughts? So, yeah, he 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 invoked the names that everyone kind of thinks of. Now, I think he left out one, and super producer Brandon Newman, I know, would be pretty ticked off if you didn't include the 01 Ravens in that also. But, you know, he brought up the 85 Bears, the 2013 Seahawks with the Legion of Boom, who were all defenses, Dad. I went and looked back up. So the 85 Bears led the league in points allowed, yards allowed, and takeaways in that season, a feat that was not yet again accomplished until the 2013 Seattle Seahawks in that same breadth. I believe last year in terms of points allowed and scoring, or sorry, in yards allowed and scoring, the Jets' defense was ranked fourth in both last year and returned right. eight starters. So where do we think they realistically are, Dad? I mean, inside a division in the AFC East that might yeah. quite honestly lay claim to three of the better defenses in the NFL, four of the better defenses in the yes. NFL, yes. including Buffalo in there too. Sorry. Yeah, fourth overall in total, third against pass, 16th against the run. They struggled a bit against the run. Uh, they had 45 sacks last year. And, and all the defenses that were mentioned, people would always get mad when I talked about some of the best one-year defenses, I would bring up the Ravens. I would bring up uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks when they won the Super Bowl. I would bring up the Bears. And people are always mad, why don't you bring up your Eagles defenses? And make no mistake, our Eagles defenses, when I say ours, I was a small, small part of it. We know the stars on that. Those defenses were great. We led the league in a lot of things for more than a few years. And people always say, why didn't you bring up those defenses? I said, because we didn't win a title. You know, you, you, we, we didn't close the deal. So I can't put it with the teams that actually won the Super Bowls. But make no mistake, those were great defenses. Where can this defense go? Listen, you got to love to have the confidence. God knows just about everybody on our my defense in Philly was an A personality that said we'd have the best defense of all time the way you play. you got to have that confidence. Whether they're going to do that, I think they'll be one of the better defenses. You pick up Will McDonald in the first round as an edge rusher. You bring in Adrian Amos as a free safety. He's a starter. Al Woods a D-tackle to come in and help as well against the run where I said they struggled a little bit. I, I don't know about historic. Let's wait. You know, we hear people talk about things. I'm more of an action guy. I'll be the first to stand and applaud if they have some historic year this year. But I'm going to wait and see. There's more than a few good defenses. And as you mentioned, more than a few good defenses. And that division alone, it's going to be fun to watch. But I'll, I'll hold off on the historic take and just wait till I see what happens on the field a little bit more. It does make me a little bit nervous because it, this ventures into the Eagles team of destiny territory or super t whatever they whatever they called themselves back when they acquired like Namdi Asamoa and all those guys on the team one year and then it all fell flat in its face. But right. I, I don't know. We all watched preseason football. That might be the deepest front, defensive front seven in football. I don't know if there's really a close second, Dad. So when you look at defensive lines that are successful and teams that are successful with defense, a lot of times it is because of that depth. You go a few years ago when San Francisco was in the Super Bowl, you yeah. look at that D-line before DeForest Buckner got traded 
to the Colts, it was deep. You look at the Eagles line last year going to the Super Bowl, how deep it was. That's a monster thing. You don't want just, if you're on a four-man line, you don't want just four starters. You want six or seven that can rotate in and come in with fresh legs as the old linemen have to play play after play. You roll in guys. The Eagles have that again this year. The Jets certainly have that uh, again this year. So that to me is is the making of a great D-line is when you can add that rotation and the guys that rotate in, there's not a lot of drop-off of the guys that they replace when they're pass rushing. So the Jets are certainly in that category. And, and I will say, while none of the guys I'm about to mention play, play defense, football is interconnected. Like a lot of these great defenses that we talk about there and certainly, you know, the 01 Ravens, the 85, the, you know, a lot of them are the part of the ball that lifted up their entire team, right? You look at that and say a lot of people got a ride to a Super Bowl because of what they were able to do on that side of the ball. You could point back to the 13 Seahawks and say, all right, that was the meat of when we thought, hey, Russell Wilson really doing his right. thing, looking like he was on the Hall of Fame trajectory, getting some help there. This Jets defense did what they did last year, basically having to play with the donut on the baseball bat, right? With what they were getting on the other side, especially yeah. at quarterback. Yeah. And so while Aaron Rodgers doesn't play defense, we know having an offense that can go out there and actually hold the ball for a lot longer, keep you in games, not put them in sudden change situations where you've got bad tone turnovers and the defense is forced to play with their back against the wall, that stuff all matters. And so now the job and the lift for them got a whole lot easier this year with yeah. the same mentality. You paid Quinn and Williams. You've still got C.J. Mosley there. You've got one of the best cornerback tandems in football. Quite honestly, Dad, the most shocking part about this quote was that it didn't come from Sauce Gardner, who seems yeah, to be the exactly. one that much more has the camera in face yeah I, I would have expected uh, that that talk from him I completely agree but you're right what help are you getting on the other side the the 85 Bears you know you had McMahon you had Walter Payton you had uh, Willie Galt on the outside you had a really good offensive line so it's not like there was nothing there now with Tampa Bay you talk about that Trent Dilfer was the quarterback that offense was not the best in the world by any stretch of the imagination uh, the Jets are going to get a ton of help a ton of help this year. That's why there's, you know, a lot of teams that or a lot of people that are picking them not only make the playoffs, but maybe be able to make a run. And we've also said it's a failure if they don't make that run to the Super Bowl while Aaron Rodgers is there because they're doing exactly what you should do. Buy into it. Get other pieces of the puzzle. We saw the Rams do it even to a further degree to where now they're one of the worst in the league because of the moves they made. But they got a Super Bowl. We saw Tampa Bay do it with winning a Super Bowl and, and paying every, bringing all 22 starters back, paying salaries you knew was going to bite you in the tuchus, uh down the road. And it is. They're one of the worst teams. Could be, possibly, you know, one, one of the worst teams in football. So you pay that price. The Jets are paying that price right now, and they need to for the next couple of years, bring in everybody to help this team get where they want to go. I did enjoy Rob Sala, one of his sign-offs in the final episode of Hard Knocks that aired the other night where he said, I get really sick as a head coach of when you go up to the field to shake hands with the opposing coach after the game when you're on a bad team and the coach says, man, your guys play hard. And oh, he said, wow. bleep that. He said, yeah. I want to go out there and I want to beat your ass. And he said, no one's saying we play hard anymore. Everyone's hating now, and that's exactly what they want. So 
you're right. They've arrived at the rich person problems that they were courting there in New York. And for Rob Sala, who's been an interesting guy to get to go, who has vaulted himself up the coaching cage match, summer charts there. Now, all of a sudden, this team is going to also find out if they can weather grown-up problems, right? There is something to. We talked about playing with the bat on your back on that defense. But also that team played really without the burden of expectation. There were people that were looking at, you know, the quarterback situation there at those guys at the guy and you know, Rob Sala making the transition to head coach. There was pressure on them, but there wasn't really a ton of pressure on them to accomplish anything. Now the problems get different and the noise gets different around that building. Aaron's handled that before. The rest of those guys haven't. Yeah, listen, and on that offense, how much depth is there in the old line? They had they were nicked up early in the season. You know, Makai Becton working back from a couple of years of injury, so how well can they hold up? You brought in Dalvin Cook, which I think was a great move, but you do have Brees Hall, but how is he going to be coming off that ACL? So you load it up on receivers, so you just got to see where it all goes, and, and those are the things you can't predict if they're injury. The defensive side of the ball, you expect to live up. But a couple of years ago, Washington had one of the better defenses on paper, and they didn't live up. Cleveland had happened to a couple of years ago, one of the best defenses on paper, and that didn't live up. Well, we have seen the Jets isn't just on paper. We saw what they could do last year, and we expect them to be one of the top defenses again this year. But they have to hold up their end of the bargain now, and then the offense certainly can help along with Aaron Rodgers. There, without a doubt, we're talking about storylines. They're, they're the biggest storyline. It's just been ad nauseum, everybody talking to them. So we want to look for other storylines because they're not the only one out there. Yeah, and uh, don't worry. I'm sure we're all going to get a reprieve from that when they open up the season on checks notes. Monday night football. <laughs> sure, there won't be any wild reactions yeah. based on anything that happens in that game there. We'll go from reactions to predictions coming up in just a little bit and get them all on wax. But coming up next, we are on the verge of getting back to maybe the best product in sports right now. That's next here on Gojo and Golik. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans, we feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. I'm Jesse Cofield. Guys, history was made yesterday. Novak Djokovic reaching his 47th Grand Slam semifinal that broke a tie with Roger Federer for the most by a man. So most of all time by a man, Djokovic. Obviously, he's a legend. Uh, what do you guys think about reaching, I mean, breaking Roger Federer's, you know, title here? 
It's been really interesting to watch. We've come off and, you know, our former colleague, Dad, Ed and Verk, one of the biggest Roger Federer fans, the biggest yeah. Fed heads of yeah. all time. But we always heard the commentary about how we were in the golden age of tennis between Nadal, between Federer and between Djokovic. And while Federer obviously retired, Nadal's been so banged up and Djokovic yep. has continued to win at this robotic level, despite being a guy that's. Yeah, I think pretty disliked is kind of where the the difficulties always lied in assessing this dad is he's probably going to end his career as the best of all of yeah. them with the accomplishments. But we know the whole story was Federer did it with class and then him and Nadal had this great rivalry and we saw them crying when Federer was retiring. And no one's going to do that for Novak Djokovic. That's just nope, not how anybody nope. really feels about this guy except for Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> No, and we kept waiting with those three. Who's going to be the next to come along? But you're right. Out of those three, Joker probably is third in line as far as a Q rating uh, of how he's received. Federer clearly on top. This guy bought pizza for the ball girls and the ball boys after tournaments. And, I mean, it was just so beloved with what he had done. And Joker was never had, had never had that experience or, or had – that love like like Federer have so but we've always waited for the next right these guys were hanging on it's like somebody else has to come up and be the guy now now we are starting to get some youngsters but Taylor now Fritz yeah Taylor Fritz who he defeated yeah. to do this is 25 so you got Djokovic 36 years old just beating this 25 year old young buck I'm like man it's just impressive oh. but and, and I understand and I've seen a bunch of other players chafe at this but the fact that right now that we have got him and Carlos Alcaraz on a collision course yeah. again, yeah. this might be one of the surest bets in sports right now. If you are looking for a ticket that no doubt is going to be worth the price of admission, it is Novak Djokovic against Carlos Alcaraz. Carlos Alcaraz, he, uh, the two of them were fresh off facing in the Wimbledon final. I think they also faced each other in a tournament in Cincinnati a while back where Djokovic said even after winning, man, you just never quit. And, you know, uh, Alcaraz gave him the line, Spaniards never say die. He is one of the most exciting young athletes on the planet at also 20 years old. And, Dad, I know you always talk about this in tennis. We're always kind of looking for the next American, too. Who's going to show up there? We had a matchup against two of them last night. Francis Tiafa, who people know, who's the 10th ranked yep. per, uh, player on the ATP. And then Ben Shelton, the unranked American, played a barn burner in the quarterfinals last night. It was the first pair of black men to reach a quarterfinal of a Grand Slam in the open era. And now Shelton, at 20 years old, becomes the youngest man from the U.S. to make the U.S. Open semis since 1992. So it's a remarkable time for that. You've got Coco Goff on the other side yeah. at 19 years old on the women's side. It's been a remarkable run of young players who are also really exciting to watch. Well, they are. I mean, Shelton hits the ball so Woo! hard as well. God I mean, what, 140-something serves? I mean. How about his hating daddy telling him he doesn't need yeah. all that power right there? If there was ever a moment where we all needed to look up and collectively say it's okay not to listen to your father here, <laughs> it's when you can serve the ball 140 miles an hour. No, and, and, and you know what? Dad may have been right. He may not have needed all that power to win, but. What 20-year-olds nor normally do is say, I know better than my parents. I've been on this earth for 20 years. I am now the smartest man or woman alive, and I don't need to listen to my parents anymore. Young Ben Shelton, you listen to your parents, okay? You listen oh. to your father. Yeah, it was hot out. He was, it was hot and, out. It was humid. He's trying to get him to conserve yeah. his energy. There you go. Dad's looking at the long run there, the long game. I mean, I'm just come confused. on. I'm just confused what happened. I mean, he, he won, won yeah, but he did my win. point okay, is that's that's what and, I was waiting for. And, the part what, where he and won. what dad and what dad will say is 
Yes, son, you won, but you were expending more energy that you needed. Yeah, if you see get how your match next match opponent, goes. That's exactly. Or if you're expending that energy and it's a closer match later on, you know, is that going to cost you? He was trying to have him conserve again. The long game, a father who's been around longer than a child, having the wisdom and the knowledge. But of course, now the 20 year old knows more. I mean, you're just too, of course, you're, but. you're too old to remember being 20. Oh, you don't get tired on. when you're 20. That guy's come got on. limitless energy. He's running around well, out there for days, weeks, let months. Me tell you, it doesn't matter. Tennis players are ridiculous with their Different. stamina. Oh, ass, I mean, this dude is, you look at him. What a freak looking body. I mean, just put together, right? Zero percent body mean, fat. Holy smokes. Yeah, yeah. very, very impressive. So we do have the youngsters. We talked about two there and Coco Golf on the other side. So that's what we need, that that next that next group uh coming up as uh as that that golden age as we talked about with those three that we mentioned, even though there was a golden age when I was younger too. There were some pretty pretty well known tennis players back in the day a bit as well. Coco's actually she's the first US team to make the US Open semi since Serena in two thousand one. So it's been a while. I, I mean the thought of doing this and, and I know we kind of do this with every sport, but I think especially with a lot of, you know, what we call them the Olympic sports in college, tennis, gymnastics, all these sports where some of your prime years end up being in your teens and you're thrust into settings like this. Right. Dad, I always talk about it in terms of guys that make it to the NFL at 21, 22, 23 years old and are handed $15 million and expected to go be the face of the franchise and settle the hopes and dreams of entire cities on their back. We see this happen all the time in sports, and I think we just sort of brush it aside, and every once yeah. in a while, I like to pause and have everyone remember where they were and what they were doing when they were 19, and then to imagine having to go out and um, commit yourself well on the world stage like this in front of everybody in a sport like tennis where the spotlight is also on you. Yeah, the yeah. mental toll that takes, it's remarkable. We probably don't stop to smell the roses enough on that. Yeah, yeah. It's not a team sport, so you're it. You all, you have a team around you in the background. You're front and center, not like a football team where we're all in the field uh, together. So, yes, the focus is on you, no doubt about it, which which adds to the pressure. And you're right, we're talking about teenagers a lot of time. But I say this about football players when we talk about this state and we just, you know, uh, in talking about the, the mental side of it, when all of a sudden these are just these are just teenagers thrust into this position to where now everybody is staring at them, everybody's parsing every word they have to say, and you know how well can you handle that? It, and it can get tougher and tougher because the the light is is more intense now than I think it ever was. By the way, speaking of getting tougher and tougher, I would like for it to not be as tough to watch Coco Golf play a King's Ransom. All of my gold doubloons to see Coco Golf play in prime time noon on the Tuesday after Labor Day weekend. Ain't it, Chief? I know there's been a bunch of people, by the way, beefing about the turnaround times on some of these matches. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I, I understand that. Coco Goff agreed with that here. But let's get our girl in prime time right now so we can all take in the majesty that is our young American tennis players going out there and doing their thing. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I just... I, I give full credit on this one to Dominique Foxworth and Charlie Kravitz. The Dominique Foxworth show is a great podcast that have really like they were the person they were the podcast where I heard about Carlos Alcaraz for the first time. And obviously, we've all gotten to see him since. We've all gotten to see him on the big yeah. stage. But watching Dad, the easiest sell in sports is always 
unreal athlete who moves differently than everybody else. You don't have to know a ton about tennis to watch Alcaraz and go, man, one of these things is not like the other. Yeah. Most people aren't supposed to move like that, be built like that at 20 years old, and yet here we are. And so getting to have that coming off of what we just came off of is a lot like having a Patrick Mahomes come to the NFL after we watch Peyton Manning and Drew Brees and Tom Brady and all these guys retire, you're always wondering where the cliff's going to be in a lot of these. And then here comes along the next wave of incredibly uber-talented young people to save our bacon when it comes to the world of sports. It's remarkable. And, and then what do we do automatically is how great can he or she be and how many yeah. can he or she win? Can they be the best of all time You know, when they're in the single digits or don't have anything just yet? But where can they end up? So they get put up on the, the mountaintop very quickly and then and by God, if they actually start living up to that, then they start getting torn down right away. It's it's a vicious cycle. Can't wait to start slandering old tennis players in the name of <laughs> propping up Carlos Alcaraz's goat debate. Coming up next here on First Take. Um, no, in the beginning, we'll uh, we'll we'll save we'll save that one for another day around here. I would actually pay a ton of money to watch Shannon Sharp and Stephen A. debate that one. But uh, we'll get to that. We'll get to a little college pre uh, football preview coming up in a little bit. We are getting towards the week two slate. But coming up next, one of the better homework excuses we've ever seen. Next. A lot is being asked of people working in schools. Teachers have more and more things to do. The shortage of teachers right now, um, you know, having to fill a lot of holes and, and wear a lot of hats, it's, it's very difficult. There are steps you can take to manage stressful times, whether in the classroom or outside of work. For me personally, I can disconnect by just being outside. Laughing <laughs> works a lot. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Now, here on the show, we pride ourselves on being student athletes, okay? We got mm -hmm. it done at prestigious universities. Yes, Boston College and Notre Dame, both on the same level there, I will say. Oh, um, my God. You know it's true. So let's dive into the Riley Leonard situation. So leads Duke to a historic win. He's the hero of the evening. But turns out he actually didn't turn in a homework assignment on time. So he made a plea to his teacher during a post-game interview to let him turn in his assignment late. And his teacher had a response for him. Professor Taylor, if you're seeing this, please let me turn in my homework late because it's due tonight, I think at 12, so it may already be 12. Hey, Riley, great game last night, man. It was so exciting. Congratulations to you and all your teammates. But you know, Wesley Williams and the other linemen who were in the class, they said they prepared ahead and did it ahead of time. So why didn't the quarterback? So no way, man, no extension. We had to see this one coming. I mean, there's no way that his teacher, after getting called out on TV, was going to go along with it and give him an extension. Listen, the old lineman. I mean, the old lineman did the work early. I mean, which is not shocking that the old lineman would do that. But they were the demise of the quarterback. He may have had a shot had his teammates not turned it in early, which isn't shocking. You it's know, not early. Like they Duke. turned it in on time. Oh, I, th oh, I, th I thought they said that he, they turned it in early. The assignment because was due at midnight. They got it right. in before beforehand before. because they knew they had the game coming up. I'm quite frankly not buying it from the teacher. I think the lie detector has determined that is a lie. I feel like there is enough cohesion on that Duke team to where those guys 
are going to be working together probably, or at the very least talking about this assignment. I doubt that they would do their guy Riley Leonard like that. I think that this is a smokescreen, or better yet, a meat shield being used by shamefully, I should say, by Donald Taylor in this attempt. Which, by the way, I went on RateMyProfessor.com and looked up Donald oh. Taylor. I don't know, Donnie. A lot of one-star ratings on this thing. A lot of awful on the play sheet for Donald Taylor here. So maybe you should look in the mirror there, brother. How about that? Wow, you went down that road. Listen, he, he can't make this big a mistake while saying others did it. He provided names. So yeah. you could easily, easily the names he mentioned, they could be like, wait a minute, we, we didn't turn ours in early. What's he talking about? He threw out specifics that can easily be checked. So that's why I think he's telling the truth on that. And let, let me just put it to, the, to you this way, Mike. If he is telling the truth, which I believe he is because he's throwing out names, so as I said, it could be checked. Is it then, did he do the right thing by saying, listen, your teammates turned it in early? Sorry, dude, no extension. You also, know what? I, I am. Go ahead, Jesse. Oh, I just want to say, class has started a week ago. This is like his first assignment probably in this class. Like, this week. What was he going to do? Was he going to turn it in after the game? He was going to do it after the game? He didn't do his Listen. homework. He didn't turn it in. Right. And then he thought right. he'd do a little Hail Mary, little jokey joke at the end. I'm a hero. <laughs> I'm a hero. Can I get an extension? And we all know every teacher, oh, I'm making a generalization, but a lot of teachers a little bit of an ego trip there. You really think yeah. a teacher is going to publicly allow him to get away with that? He's going to be like, I don't show favor to any of my students. You don't get an extension. See, you know what, Jesse? This is exactly why your guys' school lost a million-dollar payout game this weekend, oh. by the way, because you guys got this kind of mentality over there. Just Unbelievable. She's left. She just I'm going to leave. That was, right, that was probably – I will say, again, I'm just – I'm really in rate my professor right now. The second review down, so at least I will say this about this professor. He is consistent. He was given a bad rating by this reviewer that said no deadline extensions needs to be kinder. How about that, Don? How about you be kind? How about you watch what the young people did, the unpaid players out there on the field making money for you and Duke, going out there and putting his body on the line for the squad, 98 yards rushing in that game, breaking off big boy runs out here, being the next Daniel Jones, Faniel Phones out there running down on the field, Vanilla Vic out in these streets, and you're not going to go and give him this little extension? Go ahead and be kinder. Take the feedback. Take coaching, Don. But that's how First teachers off, are. They like teachers yeah. hate when athletes come in and need like extensions yeah. or they need to travel because I bet of he'd have done sport. it for the basketball team. I bet if this uh, was listen. Paolo Bancaro, he'd have done it the other year. First off, players can get paid now, Mike. So that we we lose that argument now. They're um, not being paid by the university. No, no, they're not. Second, those reviews you're talking about. Were they post this whole mess, the reviews that you're reading? Well, of course they're going to be bad reviews. I mean, seriously. I bet you didn't look at the dates on those. Yeah. You're trying to oh figure my. out if he's getting, yeah, or is he getting all these yeah. bad? Yeah. Yeah. These, these are great. Look at this review came in. Grade F. He said, dude obviously wakes up every morning angry at the world. Hates sports. Has no feel whatsoever. Quarterback spends all week studying plays for a nationally televised game. Gets one of the biggest upsets in Duke football history. And this clown can't cut him some slack. I will never feel for professors that are unwilling to work with athletes. All caps clown so yes the so, student body yeah. riding for their quarterback yeah, yeah. coming out with the reviews after the fact <laughs> and while i'm not usually gonna 
going to ride for teachers here. I think about what, what Jesse said overall. Do you like getting called out publicly? Uh, anybody who's out there mad at this professor, think of somebody in your life or, or your work or whatever that publicly on Twitter or wherever calls you out in front of everybody, you know, looking for something. How are you going to react? So don't sit there and tell me you're just going to acquiesce and say, yes, sir, may I have another? You know, you're, everybody's got an ego out there. So, well, listen, I'm not going to lie. I tried in my day to, to skirt some uh, some homework issues. I got some stories. Uh, when I was at Notre Dame, I gave it a shot, and it was very difficult to do. Um, like I said, this 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 teacher gave receipts. He gave teammates names who did the work. So I think it would be very tough for him to sit there and say, "Yeah, your teammates did it, but I'm going to let you go." Yeah, I disagree. Okay. I think you you had a chance to be the hero in this spot. And again, now I feel kind of bad because I realized this is the equivalent of reading the college message boards post about this guy, which happens <laughs> exactly. to athletes all the time, I will say. There are going to be plenty of athletes on all these teams that have their performance discussed publicly. We should start doing this to teachers more, but also pay the teachers more. Uh, that on top of it, watch me cover all my bases on oh, this. Oh, you really are. It's but the Duke, I, it, it is amazing. The Duke fans, maybe they're a football school now because they are out here riding hard yeah. in the streets for their guy in the comment section on rate my teacher i'm sure don's a fine teacher but yeah. i think he missed the chance in the moment here and this You're brings up the point off. he better and all these teachers better get ready to be a lot more flexible with this now that we got all these transcontinental conferences working yeah. in college athletics here because you're going to have some athletes who really are not going to have any other way to go about this and are going to need you to work with them a little bit and this would have been good practice for that i'm just saying that that is in all seriousness that is going to be an issue on how that is all dealt with how these normal you know day and back trips are now going to stretch out and, and get back in the early mornings or whatever so there is going to have to be a bit of a come to jesus on how they're going to handle it and there's going to be plenty of opportunity with all the teams that are going to be traveling a lot but uh, amazingly enough, you know, you are, are sitting here trying to backtrack now and suck up the teachers. I think teachers have always been great. Yes, I'm saying that. My son obviously doesn't like teachers at all. Um, I, I I don't have a problem with the way he handled it because of his teammates. They did the, they did the, the, the project. So I, I, I really don't, don't have an issue. So, Professor, I say good job out of you. And, man, am I going to get ripped for this now? Wow. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, a little man, bit of you a sound teacher's like a yeah. nerd right now. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's kind of sad. That being said, wrong move, but man, Donald Taylor, what a teacher. Pay the teachers. Support oh, the teachers. Stop. Make sure you give them everything that they need to succeed right now. Also, pay the players. Support the players. You see, I cover all my bases on this you one. Are, Stu Gott, yeah. I hope I'm making you proud right now here because this is an embarrassing <laughs> showcase after a great win by the Duke Blue Devils. Um, wow, that's man. just brutal. Hey, listen. I am what I am, and I love what I love. So I want to um, go back to the fact that Jesse put in BC with Notre Dame as far as academics. I mean, oh, really? I mean, get it? I mean, uh, get what they, we're going. What they yeah. call you guys on our campus, but you know yeah. what? I mean, nice try. Smokes. I'm not gonna do. This is this is a crime. You know that. You know that we are academically on part. Let's find out the Princeton review rankings, and we'll we'll check and see. Princeton, another one. Come to, come. Coming up next as we do nerd power rankings on this show and more teacher message board fodder for you guys here. If you stick around for hour number two, you're a saint. And I yeah. love you after all we've given you. So coming up next, let's help you mainline some sports right now. We'll get to every NFL prediction for the upcoming season next.
A supportive work environment can help everyone working in schools stay resilient. Just finding people that can reassure me that I'm doing my best and that there are people out there who understand me and can help me through these situations. You are not alone. Leaning on each other, uh, colleagues in education is, is essential. You have to. We take care of one another. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. That's cdcfoundation.org slash how right now.